0: G-I-R-L-S-C-A-M-P, it's Girls' Camp. Hello everyone and welcome to Girls' Camp. I'm your host, Haley Rall, and I am thrilled you are here. Always have been, always will be. If you hear some fireworks in the background, that is because it is July 25th, the day after Pioneer Day in Utah, where we celebrate our pioneer ancestors, although that is kind of a problematic thing to do in a lot of ways. But I'm not sure why people are still doing fireworks on the Tuesday afterward, and I wish they wouldn't because sometimes it wakes up my babies. But be that as it may, Us Utahns, some of us Utahns apparently want to celebrate Pioneer Day as much as we possibly can. Today's episode, boy oh boy, is it a good one? I have joining us today Lara Danger. Lara is an expert in all things domestic and emotional labor. We talk about gender roles and how often there is an inequitable split of household work of emotional labor in heterosexual partnerships. I do want to disclaim that we mostly are speaking about heterosexual couples here. So we are talking about, you know, marriages, partnerships with a man and a woman. And I do apologize for that. However, I think the reason that that's the case is because it is often in heterosexual relationship dynamics that these stereotypical gender roles come out. That said, I do think that this episode has phenomenal resources and advice for anyone who is currently partnered, has been partnered, hopes to be partnered someday. It's just a really helpful episode to talk about learning how to share the load equally in a partnership, which can be a very difficult thing to do. Lara and I talk about this a bit, but a quick little bit of context. I posted a video about Mother's Day, feeling disappointed in the men in my life for not initiating Mother's Day planning. It went pretty viral on TikTok, and part of the reason it went viral is because Lara stitched it. She is on TikTok and Instagram as That Darn Chat, and she has a wonderful platform. Go follow her. She stitched it. We connected through her stitching that video, and she agreed to come on the podcast, I think that this topic is so incredibly relevant for us post-Mormons deconstructing men, women, gays, theys because, you know, we grew up in a very gendered dynamic in Mormonism. We learned about gender roles. We were taught about specific gender roles. So there's a lot of unpacking and deconstructing to do. I also think the dynamic of getting married young in Mormonism, if that applies to you, also comes to play in this conversation. So anyway, that is why I think it's super relevant and I'm super excited to share this with you all. Let's do a little campfire chat, shall we? I already said this on Instagram and it's maybe a bit of a stretch, but I think that this conversation is relevant as it relates to Barbie. Barbie talks a lot about gender roles, obviously, not so much the domestic emotional labor stuff, maybe a little bit, but I just want to talk about Barbie because I'm absolutely obsessed. I loved it so much. I went with some girlfriends. We all dressed up. My friend Kylie is the best friend a girl could have. She dressed me from head to toe. She made customized lip glosses that were matching for all the girls, and it was just so fun. I found the movie incredibly profound while also being incredibly accessible. It was funny and entertaining and lighthearted while also being poignant and moving and quite a scathing critique of society as it is and the patriarchy as it still stands And there are many a conservative Christian mommy or Christian daddy or conservative Christian person who are saying this is feminist gay propaganda, to which I say, fuck yeah, it is. And that's why it's so good. And give me more gay feminist propaganda, please. Especially if it's directed by Greta Gerwig and stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Dua Lipa, et cetera, et cetera. Besides falling deeply in love with the Barbie movie, it's my new Bible. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to catch up with you all on. Uh, today's been a bit of a day. My twins both have ear infections for the second time in under a month and a half, which is never fun. It interrupts their sleep and mama likes her sleep so that's been a bit of a thing but we got them on antibiotics so please bless that they sleep better tonight and are on the up and up also I have a head cold if you haven't noticed by now I forgot to apologize for my sicky kind of hoarse voice but sorry so it is luckily I recorded with Laura a little bit ago so I am fit as a fiddle for the conversation you're about to hear. Can't wait to share this combo with you. So without further ado, here's the discussion with Laura Danger. Welcome to Girls Camp. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I cannot wait. I feel like your area of expertise is something that my listeners very much will be appreciative of and are in need of, and I just know we have so much to talk about. So I would love to get started. If you could just give a general introduction of who you are, what you do, how you found your way to this line of work, that would be amazing.
1: Yeah, so the name is Laura Danger. I I guess the spiel is I'm an educator. I create content online and I coach individuals, couples, run workshops and do events I also write curriculum for people who are trying to divide domestic labor better. I am certified in the Fair Play Method, which is a book in a system developed by the author Eve Rodsky, and it's basically a method of communicating about domestic labor that has to do with the mental load, which is something that has been missing from this conversation around domestic labor for a really long time.
0: Great, and how how did you find your way here? I'm I'm curious what led you to this this specific expertise.
1: So I am I'm a married person. I've been with my husband for 14, 15 years now. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. I have a seven and a four year old, and until I guess I've always had a full time job. Always since we've been together, I've had a full time job. So we're a dual career a partnership. However, I taught in a classroom for a long time. So during the summers, I was living that stay-at-home parent life. Gotcha. And so I found myself moving in between these spaces of managing a lot of the household for a very long time. And I would say I've always come from this background of being like progressive, feminist, like very outwardly that. Mm -hmm. And yet found myself in a situation where I had adopted this imbalance at home and so I started digging into that in myself and reading a lot and thinking about it a lot and working in that realm and it brought me to Fair Play and it brought me to working with the Fair Play team eventually becoming certified and it all just kind of came together loudly on my platform. It's something I'm passionate about. And clearly what I talk about resonates with people. So I've just really gone hard on it in the last couple of years.
0: Amazing. Yeah, it's so true. You can tell how resonant it is by how active people are on your social platforms. You can just tell people are needing this information and needing this validation, I think, too. I think so many partners, particularly women, I'm sure we'll talk about this, find themselves in the situation you just described and sometimes don't even realize that, that they're in that situation or don't know that there's anything they can do to change the situation. And so, I know when I found you, I've talked to so many friends who have found you. We're like, oh, someone's articulating (laughs) these things that we feel and that in and of itself is a gift, but also offering these tools and resources is huge, too. I want to talk about how you and I got connected. I feel like many a listener of this podcast will know already, but I made a video on TikTok about Mother's Day. And I was feeling emotional about needing to plan Mother's Day dinner. My mom and sisters and I found ourselves in a situation where we were coordinating Mother's Day dinner, doing food assignments, planning the time and place. I was thinking, "What the hell? Why <laughs> why is this the case?" So I got on TikTok, I made a video about it. As everyone says when their videos go viral, it was not my expectation that that would happen. But that video, similar to kind of what we're talking about, it seemed to either a resonate with a lot of people or b trigger a lot of people Mm -hmm. however you stitched that video and i loved what you had to say it was so helpful so validating and a lot of people i think came to my video from your stitch of it so that's kind of the way that we connected is through that mother's day video
1: (laughs) yeah i it's so interesting i am very careful I'm very careful about how I interact with people because obviously, like you said, your video was very vulnerable. It touched on something that a lot of people deal with. And there's a lot of disappointment for a lot of people around birthdays, anniversaries, Christmases, Mother's Day. Having been on the internet in this realm for a couple of years, I've gone through multiple seasons of Mother Mother's mm, Day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And without a doubt, your message that you shared resonates and the comment section always explodes with a very shared experience. I was so happy to be able to connect over it because sometimes I feel like it can go south. When somebody mm-hmm. shares online about how they've been feeling about this, it's easy to become defensive when Absolutely. someone says, Hey, that's actually like not great. Maybe Totally. Maybe we could try
0: something totally. else. Totally. Totally. No, it was so fascinating. So many different waves of that video. I guess there was a lot of people off the bat from my video that were saying things like, well, you know, your husband's a piece of shit and you shouldn't expect him to do any better because he's never going to learn and men suck. And if you're with a man, you're supporting the patriarchy, that kind of attitude and i did feel very defensive and i was like um yeah but my husband is great in all these ways i mean i even said it in my video you can see me like defending myself even within my video and so i kind of had that wave of reactions and it was interesting to try and take a step back and witness what was going on for me as people were reacting that way and i think very early on i was able to kind of see myself as almost a character in in the play of everybody else's lives and realize okay this really isn't about me as a person or my husband as a person so many people have experiences like this that they're connecting to through me and my husband so they're going to have these feelings emotions opinions but it's not really about me right it's about Mm -hmm. this shared experience that people have So that was helpful for me. However, I do think that reaction is really worth talking about because I find myself in a situation, as I think many people in my community do, that we have partners who say that they're feminists, who are trying to be better, be progressive, share the household labor more equitably but aren't always actually doing it. I think that's an interesting place to be because I think there's obviously a difference between a a man or a partner who's like, well, I don't care, I'm not gonna do that anyway, like get over it, which there were plenty of those men in my comments as well, versus someone like my husband who, I mean, I showed him the video and I said, I'm gonna post this, he said, post it, like we talk about it all the time. So yeah, that's a huge long spiel about kind of what I went through with that video, but. I'm curious what your thoughts are on some of those reactions that you see when you post your, your content, too.
1: You make such a good point that everybody everybody's in their own place in whatever journey they're on. And I know it seems really simple and obvious, but relational satisfaction isn't necessarily, like, who's doing what? Is it 50-50? It really comes down to, is your relationship meeting expectation? Mm. So if you signed up for 90-10 at what you do at home, or if you signed on, like you said, like I expected, because my partner is vocally feminist, all about equality, I expected that at home. So when I didn't get it, mm. I was mad and it hurt a lot. I think, as you said, people are really trying. People are trying really hard and not everybody's equipped with the tools because there hasn't been much modeled for us. There's all this idea, oh, men don't see the mess. Men are not feeling people. They are not good at these things. And so if you've heard that your entire life, why would you not have that understanding of yourself? Like, why would you think if I've been told my entire life that I'm not good at mechanical stuff i'm i'm not logical thinker i'm not gonna invest my energy in that realm and develop those skills
0: yeah true
1: so coming with an understanding of context is really important but also i mean people in the comment sections have probably vocalized their dissatisfaction with partners and maybe they've been met with resistance maybe they've been dismissed maybe they have tried for years and years and either resigned themselves to this is what it's going to be or they've left understanding that everybody's coming from a different background is really important yeah personally personally i cannot get behind the personal blame once you know better you should do better Mm, yeah i'm not in the like f men men are bad like i do i wholeheartedly disagree with those sorts of statements yeah I am more like, hey, let's look big picture. What inside of me makes me feel like I'm not going to be good at planning Mm. or caring for women in my life? Why do I feel like I'm not good at reading baby books and researching things? Why do I feel hesitant to engage in these things?
0: Yeah, I think that's huge because I feel like, yeah, I was kind of getting tossed on the waves of all these different opinions about these things and how to approach them and, you know, what it says about a person like my husband that he didn't take initiative to plan Mother's Day, for example. I think that's where my defensiveness really kicked in is around what you said. It's tricky, right? It's a very delicate balance to hold of really truly saying, my husband does need to do better. This is not working for us. We are working on it and it needs to improve. However, I also understand the context of society, first Mm -hmm. of all, and also where we came from specifically, which I want to tell you more about with our hyper-religious upbringing. And so I I was trying to hold these two things and I, I still am all the time. And I think there's a lot of women in my position who have left a religion that is very, very prescriptive around what men and women do in a household. And like it or not, our male partners, that's what they learned as well. And like you Mm -hmm. said, that's what they saw modeled to them. And so I think it's important to understand that context. It also is important to expect better and work towards better. And that's where things, I think, can get complicated. But that's why I appreciate what you do, because I feel like you speak to that space without condemnation, but still saying, like, this is real and this is valid and it's something that's worth figuring out and women deserve to have essentially more help
1: yeah and you mentioned I want to say so you mentioned that you and the women in your life kind of called each other up and planned right Mm -hmm. and that is so special and I think that that's really cool and I think that that is something that we should hold space for there's something so special about platonic and and family love and community that you can find in those places yeah and one of the things that i think is really sad and i want to hear more about your experience with like religion and things like that yeah in this context yeah. a lot of men get left out of that kind of like camaraderie that kind of connection mm-hmm. because they're taught that they're somehow not good at it whereas i don't if I bet, and I kind of want to hear about this, but like I bet your
0: husband is very thoughtful in many different ways. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great point because I was thinking about this with Mother's Day dinner. I'm in a group chat with my mom and sisters. We do Sunday dinner coordination throughout the rest of the year. My husband, my brother-in-law, my stepdad, they don't have a group message. They don't even really talk to each other. There's like all these factors like you're saying that do contribute to it being this way. And yeah, I think that's just such an interesting point you made about being conditioned to think we're good at certain things and therefore putting more energy into becoming good at those things and focusing on those things. And then it just continues to perpetuate. And then our kids see that and so on and so forth. I I will tell you quickly about the religious background stuff. And I'm excited to hear your thoughts. This podcast is a post-Mormon podcast. So I grew up as a Mormon for about 25 years. My husband and I left the church together about three-ish years ago. And in Mormonism, they have both doctrinal statements about how women essentially should be primarily the caretaker of children in the home and men should be the presiders and providers is the gist of it. And then culturally, although this is not always the case, cause I'm sure some will be listening who are like, well, that's not how it was for me, or that's not what I saw. It is most often the case that the women in heterosexual relationships stay home with the kids and they do most of, if not all of the domestic labor. And the men typically go to work, do a nine-to-five, and come home and, you know, eat the dinner that has been made, that kind of thing. And I think it's also worth mentioning with the Mormon upbringing stuff that there's also an additional power dynamic where there's also some inequities in the doctrine around men having what we call the priesthood, so just a specific power that only men are allowed, and there's just a very patriarchal Men are technically supposed to be the ones to like be the decision makers in the home, the ultimate decision makers, that kind of thing. So that is the framework that we were raised in. And although I think my generation was probably already pushing against that, in some ways that was still kind of the dominant narrative. So therefore that's just a lot of what we saw modeled to us. And now we are leaving the church in droves And we understand this is a societal problem, but we're also experiencing the need to unpack the religious kind of indoctrination side of it as well.
1: It's so cool to hear you and other people talk about challenging that so openly because it's such a courageous act to say, this is a thing that I have been taught that I should be okay with and it feels uncomfortable and it's okay to be uncomfortable with it. I wasn't raised Mormon, but I still internalized a lot of the same beliefs about myself to be accommodating and to maintain the comfort of others and to be in service of others were all virtues. Yeah. And so whenever I'm like, oh, wait, no, I want to be considered. I want my needs to be thought of the same way that I would think of yours. All of the guilt that that brings up Mm -hmm. in me is you have to be so courageous to push back on that
0: and then be loud about it. So I'm always like, kudos. Good for you. Thanks. (laughs) I really appreciate that. And I think that... Yeah, that's a big mission behind this podcast, too, because I think not all of my listeners, but a large chunk of them are women. And we find ourselves in an interesting position, too, because another thing worth mentioning with Mormonism is many, many Mormons get married very early. So I got married. I was 20. My husband was 21. At that time, I don't know. I think I considered myself a feminist. I didn't know what I know now, and I wasn't really a fully developed adult nor was my husband so we also find ourselves in an interesting situation which was coming up for me around my mother's day video where a lot of women were saying things like well how did you not figure this out before you married him things like that and i was like oh i was just in a very very different situation at that point my needs Mm -hmm. were different just how i viewed the whole situation was different I think getting married young and having children very young as well are additional factors that i think kind of magnify this dynamic of inequity around the household among mormons which is hard to kick as post-mormons
1: a hundred percent that's the other thing that drives me bananas being really angry at men i'm never ever going to take that away from someone like you be angry you be angry as as angry as you want to be whatever yeah but the Oh the idea that I hear sometimes from people who have not who have been able to reject this out of the gates I feel really frustrated sometimes hearing people say like couldn't be me you knew what you married you did this to yourself or even I know this wasn't the case with you but I see a lot of videos where people will say like divorce divorce leave Mm -hmm. him I bet you got those comments. I got lots of that yeah. (laughs) And it's It's so narrow-minded, and like you said, people are thinking of themselves. They're projecting their own experiences and have their own context. Yeah. But there are so many reasons why we get into this scenario, and it doesn't matter how feminist-forward you are. It doesn't matter how well-intentioned you are. That's why I always say, like, if you know better, you can do better. Everybody is doing the best they can with whatever information they have. Mm-hmm. and a lot of what you're talking about with religion with patriarchal thinking is making your value i saw my value as tied to protecting other people's yep. comfort yeah so my entire world view explodes when i have to push back on that yeah so like everything becomes unstable when i start to challenge these things So to blame someone for not wanting to feel unstable and disoriented and unsafe, come on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I so appreciate you saying that because something I want to talk about with you too is the ways that this dynamic, and I don't mean this, I know you'll understand, I don't mean it as like a blaming of the women in the situation. I don't at all, but understanding how because I do connect my value, even if I rationally don't, but deep in my, my inner child, or, you know, what I was taught to believe all growing up is this is my value. Mm -hmm. And even if I rationally reject that, I definitely realize I still participate in my marriage in a lot of ways that reinforce that. And so I feel like that's another interesting thing is to see how, I myself am maybe preventing certain progress in my marriage towards these things because I am, even though I don't necessarily want to, I'm still hanging on to, oh, but wait, this should be my value add. It's hard to feel deserving even of extra help around the home when you're taught your whole life that that's just what you should do as a woman and that should be your value. And in addition, when many, many couples around you, the women are not asking for those things. So then you feel like, A bitch essentially for being the wife who's like hey help me with the laundry because when there's a lot of women around you who are seemingly happily doing the laundry and doing the cooking and taking care of the kids that also i think affects us and where we live right now in utah that is still something that we're surrounded by and i think in society in general that still seems to be the norm in a lot of ways
1: yeah it's so it's so insidious because like, at your core value, if you're taught innately, you're born biologically better at doing these things. And so even the thought where I'm like, oh, this is hard for me, you're like, oh, immediately, I'm a bad woman, bad mom, bad wife, something about me is broken. So you got to get past that hurdle. Yeah. And then you're like, what makes me more deserving and worthy of love is to be really good at accommodating other people. So obviously, my needs are getting in the way of. They're going to make people uncomfortable. If I make people uncomfortable, I'm bad. I'm a bad wife. I'm a bad mom. Every single time you're like, oh, maybe I should consider my own needs. Maybe I deserve to be considered. It touches on all of these teachings of patriarchy, which mm-hmm. is your needs are lesser. Mm-hmm. It's such a trap. And I really genuinely think it's like you got to curate your social media feed to get these voices who are just going to scream at you like, no, when you love people, it is appropriate and fair to expect that sort of care and return. Reciprocity, it's okay. Here's what I think. The way that I love other people, I love loving people. I love being able to give them that love. That feels good to me. I should let other people love me in the same way. Mm. They should be able to feel that, that gift that they feel when you love yeah like not letting them love me or see me the way i am is is withholding
0: parts of myself from them mm, i love that i've thought that too evan applied it to me in that same way you were saying but when my husband and i so i have twin girls they just turn they're like 14 and a half months old and it's been a ongoing process to figure out how to share the parenting load and especially with twins they're our first and one of the things i remember saying to my husband when there was one day where i was like i feel like i'm doing too much i feel like this doesn't feel equitable and i said to him yes i need help that's real and i do deserve that but i was also saying to him you're missing out too Mm -hmm. on loving our children in the way that i get to by taking care of them and Mm -hmm. i want that for you and i know you want that for you too and that's one thing with childcare specifically that is so devastating to me to see sometimes is certain partnerships where the male partner is so hands off. And what a sad thing for them to miss of that kind of love that you're talking about that you can offer by way of this care and labor. And that was an interesting conversation to have with my husband because as we talked through it he was like I absolutely want that too and he was kind of seeing how like maybe certain you know friends of his or people he had seen had kind of missed out on that in a way that he didn't want to I think same obviously goes in just a companionship where it's like wait I I get to love and take care of you I get excited about buying you gifts I get excited about planning events on your behalf and yes it's labor but it can also be Really fulfilling to be on that end of it too, helping a partner understand that that when they learn to reciprocate, it's also going to feel good for them too. Like it's it's a win 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 win.
1: A hundred percent. And I think that's a part of what's missing in the conversation around what it means to protect and provide. Mm -hmm. Because I think about the way that we define that in certain ways is very limited, and. Then you think about, okay, protecting my kids is also trimming their nails. It's also cleaning the house and teaching them to wash their hands so they don't get sick. It's all of these other little aspects, knowing how much Tylenol or whatever it is that you give them is. All of these little details that make them feel safe and secure. I know I can come to mom when I'm sick. I know I can come to mom and she's going to be emotionally regulated all of these like caregiving aspects that actually do make you very safe Mm -hmm. these are skills that men are not often taught or encouraged to learn totally and it it's really essential that they learn emotional regulation active listening how to make someone feel seen and heard taking a beat before they react all of these things are very important
0: yeah absolutely so true i'm curious how you distinguish or i know some of these terms we're using maybe aren't as familiar for people but do you consider like when you're talking about domestic labor what are you considering domestic labor
1: so there are a couple of terms that i think about a lot and i use a lot Mm -hmm. Um, so there's care labor and you know that's taking care of the the immediate needs of somebody feeding clothing taking care of their hygiene things like that emotional care and that can be elderly anybody in your care Mm -hmm. care labor domestic labor is the sort of things like cooking cleaning making sure the house runs okay but it's also this is where mental labor comes into play Mm -hmm. it's the scheduling researching Looking up daycares, vetting them, calling babysitters, being available for a contractor to come meet you at the house. Mm -hmm. Even if you have an outsourcing, you have to make sure the house is prepared for someone to come in and help. Mm -hmm. So it's all of these other little aspects. But the other part that I think is really important, and I got to highly recommend anybody read this book, is emotional labor. Mm Hmm. And there's this book by Rose Hackman that came out recently that has just absolutely exploded my
0: understanding. Ooh, I need to read it.
1: So emotional labor is those those pieces of protecting someone else's feelings or understanding the context of how they grew up in order to approach them on these topics. Mm-hmm. So you get on this... you plug in this this podcast episode and you learn the language how am i going to communicate my needs in a way that is kind and thoughtful and considerate how am i going to emotionally regulate myself all day so that then after after bedtime i can take a breather how am i going to navigate in-laws how am i going to navigate the expectations of my peers over myself there's all of this mental energy and emotional energy that goes into navigating and I want to shout out to anyone who's listening to this and what you bring to the table is this paradox this dilemma of I'm a feminist I'm very into equality Mm -hmm. but I have to figure out where I can make sacrifices How am I going to survive? Which pieces of myself am I going to set aside and maybe revisit in a year or two? How am I going to make my home life good right now in a way that feels okay? And then how are you going to reconcile that within you that you're advocating for yourself, for your kids, for your partnership, for all of the people who are listening?
0: Yep. That's not easy. Yeah. That's energy. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. I, you spoke to that so well. This is the thing that, I felt like I had to explain time and time again to my partner is for example I'm sure you hear about situations like this all the time but it's like oh babe I'm gonna run to the grocery store do we need anything and I will say okay I haven't had time to research our girls just turned one year so now they're they can eat different foods. so I need to research what food they can eat how to prepare it I need to look what's in the fridge already Based on what's in the fridge already, see if there's anything else that needs to be used. Find recipes online that fit with what we already have. Think about if we're going out to eat at any time this week and what our plans are for the week. Then I need to go make an entire grocery list so that I'm actually maximizing my time at the grocery store because I won't have time to go back in the next few days. So, yeah, I can do that, but it's going to, like, take some time. So I would rather just go to the grocery store tomorrow because... I don't have time to do that for you right now. And I appreciate the willingness to run to the grocery store because you noticed, you know, there's no eggs and you want eggs right now or for breakfast in the morning but that's just one example of how much there is behind it. And especially, I feel like this comes up with kids where it's like, oh, we need to buy the kids floaties. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know, but I need to do a decent amount of research on what type of floaty they need. I need to probably measure them to see what size of floaty they need. Are we going to buy two of the same kind or should we try one for one twin and one for the other? There's so much, so much that goes into Mm -hmm. seemingly really small things, but it's something that I feel like I need to let my partner in on, because I think a lot of women too do all that thinking, but because men have never needed to, they they genuinely don't understand the level of thinking that goes into something that seems seemingly simple of like go to the grocery store and get some food, you know? And then it becomes difficult on top of that. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself because there's so many pieces of this, <laughs> but then it's like, okay, well, Now I need to not only do that thinking, I need to tell you that thinking I just did. So then you understand what thinking went into it. And then I need to perhaps handle the emotional reaction you're going to have about me feeling frustrated to have to spell that out for you. And it sort of goes and goes and goes, which is why I see a lot of women and I've been tempted at times just to be like, I'm not even going to do it Any, I'll just do it. It's easier Mm -hmm. just to do it than it is to go through multiple additional steps of inviting you in and teaching you and managing what might come up for you when I even need to like talk about this.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And there are so many, so many layers to that onion because you think about the floaties and I've been in this scenario so many times with my own husband where he's like, why don't you just order whatever? Like just order it. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, but if we get the wrong one or it's not, I don't know, APA approved or whatever the heck the acronym is, if it's not approved, and then first of all, I'm the one who gets judged for getting the wrong thing. I go to the pool. No one is looking at you and being Mm. like, oh, you got the death trap ones. I'm the one who takes that. If you get it wrong, I'm the one who's going to have to do the return because I work from home. So, and I'm the one who keeps track of the budget. There are so many steps to this. I'm going to have to clean up the mess. So why would I even offload it to you? I can trust I'm going to reliably do it. And I already have the information. So it's totally a trap. And I will tell you the one thing I've identified as a major, massive trap that I'm hoping we can all undo. So freaking mom groups. Like, you know how many things Mm -hmm. I have learned Mm -hmm. from being in a mom group Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, I got to look that up. Oh, I learned about that there. Where my husband has, he's not seeing it.
0: Yeah so true and likely not talking about it among his peers the same way that women talk about it among theirs That's so true. Because yeah, even the the knowledge we just get by participating in mom groups and discussions, when we're sitting at the pool and we're sitting next to a mom, what's the likelihood we're going to be talking about our kids versus my husband sitting next to a dad going to say, what do you do for work? Yeah, those things just compound and compound on each other. And that's why it can feel really discouraging because I think it It almost feels like in some ways like it has to get a little worse almost to get better. Like you have to be willing to fight the fight (laughs) to get it to a place. And this is why like I'll talk to my mom sometimes and I'm like, mom, I'm not going to do what you did. I'm not giving up. I will fight until it feels comfortable. I do feel like my husband and I are making progress and I feel like we're on that journey. But I know a lot of women that I see around me who are further along in their relationships they genuinely feel like it's too late and this is just is how it is and that is so devastating to me Mm -hmm. it's so devastating to me because i know it is possible there are ways that this can improve but it just takes a lot of work and oftentimes because we're the ones recognizing it and seeing it we might be the ones that are having to proactively engage in that work or initiate that in our partnerships which It's hard too
1: it is and that's another place where there's really there's really room for gray space because and data has shown this men face backlash for stepping outside of the you know called the man box if men who are looked up to in a place of power in a business if they have social influence in their sphere if they can start talking about parenting things or just be like not have open contempt for your wife.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if that's you can a good just start. start...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can start by being open about your want or your desire to have equality, have equity at home, that in and of itself is progress. Just doing it out loud, mm. having other people witness you. My husband works in a very, very male-dominated field, He's the only person at his work who has a small child and he takes days off because the kids are sick. He goes to their school programs. He does that even though I guarantee there are people at work shooting him a side eye and being like, don't you have a wife who can take a day off? He's in a place of power and people look up to him in his industry and just doing that and being really open about it, it takes guts, takes courage
0: and it's making a huge impact huge it gives per it gives other people permission to do the right. same it really does i see that too in our communities where yeah you look around and you see what other people are doing and if it feels allowed to take days off to help take care of your kids then it feels allowed for more people I want to jump into some of these questions. So I had Mm -hmm. um, listeners write in some questions and they're all very much along these lines. Okay, the first one says, I feel like very few men come into a relationship understanding how to actually be an equal partner and it usually falls on the partner to educate them if they want a more equitable relationship. The best I could do was find someone who is open to listening and accepts slash incorporates feedback. And even that was a challenge, but always being the one to bring things up or teach him or implement a new system, such as Fair Play, is exhausting. How can I help my partner educate himself? I, I don't think I'm going to have a very satisfying answer. You
1: can't make mm. someone want it. Mm. I will say that for everybody, I'm going to, like, I swear I'm not sponsored. But anybody who I've gotten to read Emotional Labor, it has changed their view of these sorts of conversations. She really explains well that this is work mm. and exhausting.
0: Mm.
1: And over time, it's going to be, if, if you're not okay with it now and it doesn't feel good now, it's going to continue to not feel good long term. So again, I don't have a great answer for that. I, I want to validate how annoying
0: it is. yeah. <laughs> I I think that's helpful though, because honestly, a big piece of, I feel like my journey around this has been cultivating some acceptance around this. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it does get tricky because I've, I've had conversations with my husband where I'm like, why don't you follow these people on in, right. Instagram? Like, why are you not ordering these books yourself? And Yes, ideally, that would be the case. But I think cultivating some acceptance around almost like a you don't know what you don't know situation. And I do think in a lot of ways, that's kind of how it feels for him, where he's like, I literally, I don't know to do that. But yet when I say you should follow this person, he will follow that person, you know, and Mm -hmm. is willing to engage with the content and read the book that is suggested. And I've had to let go of the resentment that comes up for me around that because in some ways I do think it's difficult because we are the ones who are experiencing it. Sometimes it just inevitably falls on us to have to be the ones to like bring it to a partner's attention. So mm-hmm. I do think for me, that answer is validating and it it can still be frustrating, but it's nice to know at least there's not like a magic formula that we're just like not knowing.
1: <laughs> no. As a couples therapist, John Gottman the Gottman Institute is
0: a really cool group yes I'm reading the love prescription right now by the Gottman. yeah
1: yeah 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 and he says you know men specifically all of this data is always on it's very frequently on heterosexual partnerships Mm. so if you're using that context yes men who are open to the influence of their wives have a higher rate of success their relationships are going to last so if you can be open and curious about your partner honestly like that's the best you can expect yeah realistically yeah that someone's
0: gonna be open and willing that is great cool i love that i think that's a great metric and especially Mm -hmm. with these factors that i was talking about with a very intense patriarchal upbringing in religion i think that that yeah yeah seems reasonable okay this next question says my husband has the idea that housework mostly cleaning and laundry should be done on an as seen basis as in if you are the one to see it or notice it it is your job to take care of it it does not make sense or sit well with me there have been several times he has asked why didn't you just take care of it when you noticed but he also noticed and did not do anything to change it i don't think he means to use it as a weapon but it feels icky thoughts
1: that is really interesting
0: one of the things i thought of with this question that's maybe a little different than what the person is asking because this maybe just sounds like a husband who's like kind of making some a weird rule up to avoid helping but mm-hmm. i do wonder about when you have very different ideas of even cleanliness this is something my husband and i struggle with because i'm super type a i cannot go to sleep if there's a dish in the sink i just mentally it's like not who I am where my husband in his mind I'd be happy to do the dishes in the morning but I'd prefer not to do them tonight because you know I want to relax from the day Mm -hmm. so then I just do them and he's like no Haley really truly I am happy to do the dishes but he feels sometimes frustrated which I truly understand he's like I don't hold myself to your standard of cleanliness that gets tricky because I kind of sometimes feel like well if my standard is this then maybe it's just my job to like do certain things because i'm the one who doesn't really offer that much leeway or flexibility you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i'm curious your thoughts around that
1: yeah i think it comes back to like you said like maybe you're type a maybe also you have been the one who has been taught that those things matter and has had a standard set and that you're going to be the one that's judged on the dish in the sink and he's not. Yeah, true. There are all these other things. You, again, you might not see it to the same standard. You might not see it as your responsibility. So you might not notice it as clearly as I do. That doesn't mean that it isn't your responsibility. Mm. It's not acknowledging the mental labor. Again, it's not... It's such a narrow idea of what it takes to run a household mm. because it's only relying on what you can see. Mm. And if I dealt with only what I could see in a day, I'd have 20 minutes of work. So like, true. I go to bed and I sit – or my kids go to bed and I'm, like, scrolling the internet and I'm, like, making plans when I'm going to do this, when I'm going to do this. There's so much more to
0: – Yeah. It totally – no, I don't like it. It's, I don't like it. Throw yeah. It I don't it's, like that idea. <laughs> I don't either. It's a great point too, because this husband who's saying like, well, if you see it, do it, it does disregard, I mean, so many things. Oh, mm-hmm. maybe I saw the laundry needed to be done, but I was holding a screaming child who's teething. Right. Or I was holding the child teething while trying to make the child mac and cheese. When I mm-hmm. saw the dishes needed to be done, there's so much more. And even for me... This is something I also try to explain to my husband with twins and I I mean with children in general. I always say I run a tight ship because I have to. If you and I want time to watch a show at night, which we love doing together, I got to do the dishes at a certain, I like just have to stay on top of it. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. that feels underestimated when you're not the partner doing the primary load of domestic labor is it feels like, well, it's really not a big deal. We can do the laundry tomorrow. The girls' sleep socks are in the laundry and they need to be dried in time for them to go to bed. And if we don't do that now, then their nap time will be later. Just all those like domino effect things are affected by something that may seem like not a big deal in the exact moment.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a small picture. I always imagine the household is a bunch of gears. if the spoon isn't washed, I can't serve the food. If the pot is dirty, I can't cook. Mm. All of It's all a bunch of dominoes, a bunch of gears. And if one thing is messed up or not on a schedule, then I'm nitpicking. Then I'm nagging you. Again, I might as well do it myself.
0: Yep, exactly. Exactly. I think that's a great point. This is a question. This next one is more around communication, which I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on. So they say, I have a really hard time communicating about emotional and domestic labor issues in my marriage. My husband believes he is aware and shares the responsibilities equally, but it's just so far from the case. When I bring it up, he genuinely believes he does more than he actually does. I end up feeling like a dumb whiner when I try to go step by step to help him see. How can I help him open up to see the huge disparity between what we do and address it with him in a way that will actually be received?
1: so if you were going to use the fair play method it's so the concept of fair play is great because basically what you do is you uh you have a bunch of cards you talk about how to set a standard and then you have somebody fully own it so if you were the grocery person okay you think that groceries is just going out and picking them up now let's talk through let's spend 30 minutes and talk through what it takes to do the groceries again it's like What's in the pantry? What food are the kids eating? What are the food preferences? What's the food budget? Which stores do we get it from? Do we do a big shop or a little shop? How frequently? You do all of that and then you give them the responsibility. Mm. And you try your best to get out of your own way. You don't help unless they ask for help. You let them deal with the consequences. We don't have what we need to make dinner. You're going to have to figure it out with what you've got. Or you're gonna have to call someone, or
0: you're gonna have to—I fi- don't know. You solve the problem. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's so hard to do. <laughs> I get a shiver down my spine thinking about it. But it's true. But
1: ideally, you would talk about it and describe it, and they would be on the same page and happy to have that conversation. You know, people online on TikTok—they do the wife strike, where they're like, "Okay, you want to see? You want to say I don't do that much? Well, I won't do it." Mm you can try that. I don't think that's very effective personally, (laughs) but handing it off fully is really, sometimes people need the tactile learner. Sometimes they got to learn by doing, sometimes they have to experience the time and planning and coordinating it takes and then face the real time consequences Mm -hmm. of dropping the ball.
0: Yeah. That's such a good point because I feel like as you can tell from my like almost physical reaction to thinking about that, <laughs> i'm realizing oh i've it's not like I was always good at planning meals. I learned how to do it by myself dropping the ball many, many mm-hmm. times, and then myself having those consequences and figuring it out. and it's true that I have those experiences that then taught me what I know now. And if I'm always shielding my partner from those experiences by stepping in and fixing it, if it goes wrong, then he literally doesn't have the opportunity to learn certain skills that I've learned just through experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point too, because I think from what I'm gathering from your answer, in a way, it's almost like a do rather than tell so especially with this husband i mean you're in a good spot if he really thinks he's doing half the labor get fair play and say like okay let's split it 50 50 really truly and then it will become pretty clear it seems like in the actuality of the domestic labor split where things actually are splitting it up physically trying it out has been very effective that sounds like a very good a good way of doing it because I do think mm-hmm. sometimes you can you can talk until until your face goes blue but until they're actually seeing it doing it experiencing it it's hard to understand
1: exactly yep
0: yeah I love try that. it out I love that okay someone said how would you recommend someone who isn't married or dating bringing this up I feel like I say certain things to men about how I think housework should be shared or how I still want to work when I have kids, and it is often received in a negative way. I think it has to do with the fact that I live in Utah, but do you have any suggestions?
1: So I think a way that you can bring it up is by talking about influence and recognizing if somebody is willing to even engage in conversations about that. how housework could look, being curious, Asking how things work for them. What does equality look like to you when you imagine having kids? What does that look like? Like How do you expect the day-to-day to to look? Talk about their family. How does your family do it? Did Mm -hmm. you like that? Inserting the curiosity and the self-reflection, I think, is really important. Because a lot of times, I talk to a lot of men who didn't like how the men in their lives parented but they haven't quite looked at how they
0: do want to. Mm, Yep. That's a very great reflection point to bring up because naturally as humans, for all of us, it's easier to look outside of ourselves when we're analyzing. And it's like, oh, you know, how involved was your dad in your life? Would you have preferred it differently? And then when they take that back into how they currently operate, they might see things differently than they did before
1: hmm
0: yeah that's mm-hmm. a great one that's a great one okay I feel like we could talk forever this is so so helpful and so validating for me and I know it will be for everyone else before I let you go you have talked about fair play and you've talked about the emotional labor book and i can include those in the show notes for people listening are there any other resources that you would recommend or like places for people to start who are looking to become more equitable in the domestic emotional labor so
1: i i mentioned that i'm fair play certified fair play has a documentary that you can watch eve rodsky has a podcast you can listen to And there's the book and there's the card. So that's its own thing. And I think it's a really good jumping off point. There's a lot of great language there. You can start also on YouTube. I have a YouTube video. It's like 10 minutes long. You can put me on two speed, listen real quickly. I also have a podcast time to lean where we take questions and we talk through things a lot like this. And we talk about viral videos and media and all that. And I have freebies that you can download to start these conversations on my website, including the list of the Fair Play cards so that, you know, the person who wrote in, oh, I don't do anything around the house. Oh, you do 50-50. Okay, well, look, why don't you take a highlighter real quick?
0: Mm -hmm. Go ahead and
1: highlight all the things you do and then highlight what I do. I don't recommend coming into it angry but it is a good
0: visual so you could always start there i love that so helpful i think that's super great i feel like something that was so amazing to me about that mother's day video is honestly i feel like my husband and i have made significant strides since that video and i think a big part of that and this is not conscious on behalf of my partner at all But I think it was really huge for him to see the reaction to that video and understand, oh, this is a thing. This Mm -hmm. is very much a thing. And again, that I don't think he was thinking like, you're making this shit up. Like, he's never made me feel that way. But I think to see the scale that this is a thing and to see that thousands and thousands and thousands of women were relating was really impactful for him. And he took that to heart. And it's made Mm -hmm. a really big difference. And I think, you know, and this happens in marriages on both sides where it becomes really personal. It becomes about the character of the person. And for him to see, oh, this really isn't like a character thing on my part. This is just like a societal thing that is the water I'm swimming in. But also it's a big deal and it makes a big difference. I think that was really huge for him. And, you know, bless his heart. He got blasted in front of millions. But I do think that that was... That was one of the huge benefits was he realized, oh, this is a big deal. This is not you saying, Bentley, you're a bad person. This is saying, Bentley, this is a societal issue that I want to do better at in our marriage. And I know you want to do better at. We want to do better at it for each other. We want to do better at it for our girls. And since then, I feel like it's it was more taken to heart in a way that it hadn't been previously. But I think these resources you're mentioning have the power to make it maybe less about like you versus me and like our Mm -hmm. characteristics and more about, oh, this is a societal problem that we can team up together and work to do better on. Yes. That's why I love gaining the
1: perspective and the context because it does often feel like a personal failing by struggling or feeling uncomfortable or disconnected. And it's absolutely a symptom of something
0: bigger and having the context relieves a little bit of that pressure. Yes, exactly. And having the real tangible lists and things like that pre-made for you, I think also takes away some of the emotion. And like you're saying, you're like, okay, let's look at this. And like, Mm -hmm. we can see it in a very different way than when you don't have those like tangible resources. So I think that's phenomenal. I so appreciate this. Everyone needs to be following you on Instagram too. (laughs) If they're not already, like you said, having these voices and these reminders and this messaging reinforced to us as women, I think is super, super important in our deconstruction of those patriarchal messages. We've all learned. So I just so appreciate the work that you're doing around this and It's really, really huge. And I'm so glad you're willing to come on to help an audience that is very much in need of this information. I'm so thankful to be here. I really appreciate the conversation. So important. Yes. Amen. Thank you so much. And excited to still be in touch. Maybe I'll have a viral video about the best Mother's Day ever next year. Yes, 100%. (laughs) Oh, tag me. I will. I will. (laughs) So nice to meet you, Laura. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. G-I-R-L-S-C.